The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. But we're here and we're, we're glad that you're with us. I've been out for a couple of weeks. I went to yeah. uh, the ocean on the 4th of July. Yeah. And that was a good trip. Uh, hardly got sunburned. I'm still trying to learn how to swim and it's not going well, but we're still at it. So, so did you do some kind of some ocean stuff? Well, yeah, I, I, I bought this. You're supposed to have a paddle board. I couldn't find one of those. So I got it. Oh, yeah. It's not quite a boogie board, but like a maybe more like a body board. It was like this big board. Yeah. It wasn't quite a surfboard, but here I am. I'm in the pool and I'm holding on to this big ass thing. Oh, yeah. Kicking around. And, and I felt really kind of stupid because there was this nine year old girl that was swimming laps, I assume, around yeah. that. She was a little bit older than my daughter, who's going to be seven. And so she's just swimming laps and just just as easy as the, the day is long. And here I am with my, my boogie board coughing and breathing in water. And, yeah, just dying. <laughs> but uh, that's how it goes. But uh, had a good time. But I missed everybody. Oh, yeah. So it's good to be back. It's good to be back. And we've got Mastermind coming up just about 30 days. Yeah. So we'll be back there before we know it. Looks like we've got a good group going. Oh, it's going to be incredible. We're almost sold out. And uh, the last day to book is, uh, I believe, Friday. Oh. And so last last time we had this mad dash of people the last week. Right. Book everything. I I don't think we're going to be able to do that this year. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Well, I mean, some of the folks who are already going might can treat their room like a duplex and rent half of it out to somebody else. I'm sure that we'll have somebody that's going to try to creatively <laughs> do some kind of uh, hotel exchange. So, uh, and, and hey, whatever you do, whatever that's right. whatever arbitrage we can do, we're happy to do. That's right. Use your investment skills to, to Airbnb your own hotel room. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. A little Airbnb arbitrage. There we go. Just book the hotel room and then sell it to your friend at $20 more. <laughs> Make them buy your dinner or something. Owner um, financing room. Yeah, correct. All right, we're going to go over the deal of the day. This is a house that we bought here in town. And uh, uh, I have no idea the address, but it's kind of an interesting deal because what's going to make this deal work really well is something pretty creative. So kind of the numbers on it, there's a 100K first mortgage, basically a 25K second mortgage, a 25K third judgment. And then like a 40 or so K fourth judgment. Okay. This is in a. So 190. Yeah. I have no idea. Something Ish. like that. Needs about a hundred K rehab. 290. Okay. And Ish. exit is 450. So not terrible. No. No, not terrible. But uh, here's kind of the thing is we've got two issues. Number one is title. The chain of title is not clear. Uh, we do have a deed that we've recorded from the heir, but the, the whole deal hasn't been through probate and uh, we don't have affidavits of airship yet. So we've taken everything subject to, and we gave the guy 10 grand. So we have $10,000 tied up in this deal right now, but here's kind of the, the creative part is we're buying the third judgment. We're buying the third judgment. And then it's like, well, why would, why would we do that? Well, number one, we're going to be able to short that money. Yeah. 
And so that's the most obvious is if it's a 25K judgment, we'll probably buy it for five or six or 7,000 bucks. So we're creating additional profit there. But the main reason that we're going to buy the judgment is to foreclose on ourselves. Okay. So let's talk a little more about that. Yeah. So we own the house. Now we own a judgment in the chain of title on the house. That judgment is 100% valid and qualified and is able to foreclose. And whenever a judgment or any lien forecloses. So when we buy the judgment, the judgment is now our judgment. Yeah. So we're not just shorting it. We're purchasing it. Okay. So now it's not in A&P whatever. It's now right. Brad Smotherman's Correct. So it's judgment. assigned. The judgment is assigned from ABC Financial yeah. to uh, Fair Offer Cash Now. And so now our entity owns the judgment and owns the deed, but my deed has a break in the chain of title. So we either have to take it through probate or get affidavits and all this other stuff uh -huh. for us to, to be able to, to make that work. But the lien has the right to foreclose. The lien, it's a valid lien. There's money that's, it's a judgment. So the courts have stamped that this judgment's valid. It's placed on the chain of title and has the ability to foreclose. And when it forecloses, it forecloses everything in subordinate position out and affirms everything in front of it. So whenever we take a third position lien, we're taking the deed, a foreclosure deed, so it's a trustee's deed, subject to the first and the second. But what it does is it clears the chain of title. So there's no issue with heirs or any type of 10 care lien or anything like that because we have a judgment that has a right to foreclose. Oh. Okay. So it's just a fun way for us to foreclose out the fourth. We'll short the third, take it. We'll take the deed subject to the first and the second. But the main benefit is we're not going to have to go through probate. We're not going to have to go through the affidavits and all that like we've done. And I know that you've You've had deals where you've gone multiple states over, and that's how Polly started working with us was to clear up chains of titles. Right. So it's going to allow us to to be able to a in a really quicker. fun, creative way. Yeah. Make quite a bit of additional profit. So you know, let's just say that the numbers hold, and we have a hundred k first and a twenty five k second, and the third we buy for five. Mm -hmm. So we're at what a hundred and thirty, mm -hmm. and then ten. Walk away to the seller. We're in at one forty. We're just going to clean and stabilize the property, and probably exit at three fifty. Yeah, you know. So we're not going to do this big rehab. We don't have to. It doesn't make any sense for us to spend seventy or eighty or a hundred k to gain another hundred k in equity. Right. So we really want a factor of three. So if we're putting in a twenty k rehab, we want to be able to increase the value by sixty k mm -hmm. minimum. For it to make sense for us to do. Otherwise, it just makes sense for us to just exit it the way it is. And there are a lot of people that will trade dollars. So they go in and they do a 40K rehab and they increase the value by 50 grand. That's a terrible use of time. Yes. It's a bad use of capital, but it's a worse use of time. Mm -hmm. You know, so kind of a fun deal. I like it. You got me thinking about one of mine that I mentioned to you last week. Okay. See if there's some kind of. Oh, yeah fun, creative way to clean that up. Yeah. Yeah. If we can get a judgment and the thing is like, if we had to pay 25 K for the judgment, it's, it's worth fine. it. It's worth it. It's fine. And that's going to help that creditor uh -huh. because the first and the second right now is behind. So they're going to get foreclosed out. And so that's our benefit to go into that lien holder in part is saying, Hey, you're owed 25 K. Did you know that the first is behind? Did you know that there's a second mortgage on this? And if anybody has half a brain, which is a, a big guess in a bank. Right. But if, if anybody has half a brain in the four walls of that bank specifically, then uh, they should be willing to discount to get something versus nothing. Mm -hmm. But if we had to pay the 25K, then that's all right. Excellent. You know, and 
all of this kind of came about. I was uh, asked to speak at the Real Estate Investors right, right, Association. Right. Hey, Nashville. I missed that last night. Yeah, that's okay. Well, you get to hear me talk all the time. So uh, it's not, nothing special for Tone. But got to talk about Sub 2. So we had a good group of people there and a lot of really, really good questions, which really made me think about what we want to talk about today. And what I decided on was, let's talk about what is equity? What is equity? Because I think that there's a true but incomplete idea of what equity is when it comes to real estate. And so we'll just kind of dive into it. Everybody looks at the first equity, which is price equity. Okay, price equity. Yeah. So basically what we're looking at is if a house is worth $250,000, generally what we're doing with price equity and what every other investor basically in your market is doing, looking at price equity, is they're looking at the deal and deciding, okay, what's the most that I can pay for this property? Okay. Usually it's by the 70% rule. Right. So the 70% rule basically says that, uh, you take the, the after repair value, the ARV. So that's what the house is worth. Once it's fixed up completely, this is the full retail market value of the property. And you take that times 0.7. Okay. So that's going to discount the property. And you take that number minus the repairs on the property. Okay. So your cost is going to be your maximum allowable offer on the property. And so that's how we can figure out what can we pay playing the price equity game. So let's just take basically a, a easy example. Look, let's say the ARV is 300,000. So we know the house is worth $300,000. There's comparable sales in the area of properties worth 300,000. And then we look at that. So times 0.7 is 210,000. And let's say that the property needs a $20,000 repair budget. Well, the maximum amount that we're able to pay on this property is 190,000. Right. Okay. So this is a like the tried and true formula of real estate investing in terms of flipping that really everybody goes with. And so what it creates as a problem is that everybody's really effectively going after the same deals. And so basically what happens is you have the same lists if you're doing direct mail that are getting hammered. These are people that have at least 30% loan to value. Uh, uh, 70% loan to value or less on the property. And you can, there are algorithms and list source and those kinds of places that will find that for you. But you have this big group of investors that are going after this very fairly small list of properties. And so it creates hyper competition in the market for price equity. And so what that really causes, the big picture is that it creates really a sense of famine in the market. Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks it's tough to find a, a deal. And that 30% that we had taken off the top starts shrinking. Right. Because everybody's making their offers. Right. Everybody's making their offers and they're thinking, well, I've got I've to get a deal. I'm a motivated buyer. <laughs> That's what we want. <laughs> or motivated buyer. Like, I, I've got to go get a deal somewhere. And so it's, and it's tough to solely, not saying it's impossible, but it's tough solely based on price equity model to gain two things. The first is cash flow. And secondly, it's tough to, to begin scaling. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then there's a whole other world. Yes, there is. There's a whole other world. And so the second type of equity that we're looking at is term equity. Term equity. Okay. And so what I want to submit to you guys is that price is a function of terms. Price is a function of terms. And so with that, we can pay any price if the terms are correct. Okay. 
So one of the the questions that I got uh, last night speaking at, at that event was a really good question. It was by a good friend of mine, Greg Ferricelli. Guys doing commercial property, doing some land development, I hear. So, I mean, th- this and a great agent, yeah. you know, historically a great agent. So shout out to Greg. But he said, hey, does it make sense at time at times for you to to buy basically market value if you buy subject to? It's like, well, great question. It depends. We have to have equity somewhere. But then we're looking at the potential of term equity. Yeah. Because so, there's no price equity there. There's no price equity. So one of the houses that we bought this month, we bought it in um, I can't remember the name of the town, somewhere in Kentucky. 125K in first position, 5K walk away to the seller. The 125K is at 3.25%. Okay. And it, it's already seasoned for four years. So what we have here in term equity is we have equity in the rate. Yes. Yes. We have we a lot of equity in the rate. And so let, let's talk about this for a second. Because we have equity in the rate, this is going to be a cash cow, this one deal. Mm-hmm. Now, it's probably worth 175, 185, something like that. It needs a little bit of work to get there, some carpet, some paint, you know, but it's not at the 70% rule. And so all the investors that are out there in the community that are fighting over the 70% rule deals would pass on this and say, there's nothing here. That's right. Okay. And what they've missed out on is probably $600 per month for years. Yes, because there's equity. In yes, you know, there's equity in the rate. There's equity in the rate. And so as we get into the coming market, (laughs) as we get into the coming market, we're going to see more equity in terms than we're going to see equity in price. And another thing I want to submit to you guys is that our best deals historically are deals that have very little price equity. Okay. Flipping houses is a good thing. You know, creating cash pops is a good thing, but it's never going to retire you. You have a high-paid job. What retires you is creating cash flow, Mm -hmm. okay? And so, and me and Tony have had this conversation on some of your deals, like Mm -hmm. that deal you did out West Tennessee somewhere, and, you know, you were thinking about retailing it at, at, what, 110 or something, and somebody came in at 140. Yeah. Owner financed. Owner financed. Yeah. 145. 145. And so, and your cash flow was pretty pretty good on it. $1,000 a month. $1,000 a month. No tenants, no toilets, no... 3.1 3.1 on the underlying, yeah. 9.9. Boom. I mean, it's tough to mess that up, man. It's <laughs> tough to mess that up. It's one of those things that Tony's making more than the bank is without having to lend the money. Yeah. You know, and how many notes do you need at $1,000 a month for you to be in pretty good shape? Yeah. You know, and I feel like they're probably long-term yeah. folks on this note. I mean, when you think that just a thousand dollars a month on a deal, and this is, it wouldn't be, this one wouldn't be so impressive to me, except for I took a $43,000 note subject to, yeah, and gave them $3,000 cash at closing. So I'm $3,000 in the deal. I'm going to pull a thousand dollars a month. Uh, that's 12,000 a year. The first 10 years of that thing, 95% of what they're going to pay is going to be interest. Right. That's $120,000 in nothing but basic profit out of the deal. Then at, at 10 years, the underlying is going to be paid off. So I have my full note then. They'll still owe about one forty. And your cash flow is going to pop. And my cash flow is going to pop yeah. at that point. I mean, th- that happens the last four years of this 10-year. Yeah. 
So I'm at fourteen twenty a month in cash flow then. On money you did not lend. On money I did not lend. I mean, that's what's so important. It, you know, I try to tell, especially some of our folks who are just getting in and, and starting out that are looking for that first $75,000 pop. Yeah. And I'm like, look, go after the five that nobody else is after or knows how to do and put those in place. Get that $75,000 pop in five cash down payments. It doesn't all come at one time. It's going to take some discipline. Yeah. Financial, personal discipline. You might be tighter for a while than you want to be because everybody wants that first pop. But that pop right now is not as attractive with 6% interest rates on the back end. Right. Yeah. I didn't mean to, to get into that, but I, every bit of the, what I'm, listen to this. I want to say this. And because uh, I know in the last couple of days, we, we've kind of chuckled at a fellow that's struggling to understand what we do. And he's been slapped in the face with this market all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. And and which means that his gravy train is over for a little bit. We don't know how long, but for a little bit. Yeah. And so the stuff I'm saying right now, five years ago, after I'd been buying for two and a half, three years, these deals, I still did not understand the stuff I'm saying right now, nor did I know how to say it. I had no concept of how that money works. Yeah. It started easing into me the first time we went to a master, David's mastermind out in the woods, wherever the hell that place was, <laughs> north of Nashville, scared me to death. Anyway, anyway, and David went berserk with a marker on a piece of paper up that he'd taped to the wall up there. And I didn't get half of what he said, but it got me. Yeah. I'm, what it told me was, I do not know what he's talking about. And then, you know, listening over and over again. People ask me from time to time, who do you listen to? I'm listening to Brad. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I've been around him enough. I know uh, Brad's not perfect. I know Brad doesn't know everything. My Brad's, mom thinks I'm cool. Yeah. Brad's, <laughs> Brad's constantly learning and listening and learning, but so am I. And I'm not going to be the other side of a wall from somebody and who, who is buying a million dollars a month of equity and not listen to what they're saying. And only by probably a little over half of it last year was even fixing flips to start with. Right. The rest of it, right at, at that halfway mark, are all this creative financing. And that's where all the big equity long term is being yeah, captured. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It, we would be at a severe disadvantage if we didn't have the deal structure systems that we have. So I'd like for you to, because it's kind of a fun story. John T. is a friend of yours and has crazy experience in real estate. And you told him about that deal. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we were uh, riding back from rugby one weekend and uh, together and he was in the car with me. What's a weird thing is, is that, well, anyway, we'll talk about that another time. But I'm intrigued to learn from people. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's a serious player. And he's a serious player in this city and you never know it because he will never bring it up. So I, I just ask him, you know, what are things are important to you? Is it is in commercial stuff? Yeah. What things are important to you? And it was just it was just like when we talked to Larry Sims, you know, it's just stuff that's so clear once he says it like, well, corners. What do you mean corners? Well, you need to get outside of town, outside of the city limits and start buying every street corner you can buy. It's going to be most expensive resale on property there is. 
That's wh- look where your McDonald's are. Yeah. Look where your Walmarts are. You can follow McDonald's and Walmart anywhere you want to follow them. They're not in the business of retail. They are in real estate. Except when they're leasing from him. Except when they're leasing from him. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, there's this one corner (laughs) that I own the dirt. That's another thing he said to me so powerful. It's not where you live. It's who owns the dirt. Mm. (laughs) It's who owns the dirt. Whoever owns the dirt owns the deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is amazing listening to some of the, I, I remember when we was talking to Larry Sims that time and Larry was explaining to us that, uh, he'd go out in the country 10 years before he thought that the, that the city would move that way. 10 years, 15 years before. And he'd say to these farmers out there, Hey, listen, somebody might be interested in your property for long, offer you multi millions of dollars. Why don't we just put a sign up out there on the corner just in case somebody passes it once? Well, I don't mind. It's just that ain't nothing down there but cows. Well, they're not going to come to Larry and say, when the city moves out there, hey, pull your sign up. I've decided to go with somebody right. else. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he scared away all the other brokers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's common sense stuff. And this is common sense stuff, too. And I'll tell you who it's common sense to. The people we pay our mortgages to. It is common sense to banks. There's a reason they do what they do. Right. And this puts us in that position. Right. Right. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. You know, notes allow you to control an asset without the the liability of ownership. So one of the other questions I got last night was, well, why don't you lease purchase? Which if you want to know exactly why we don't do that, there's a whole other episode for that, uh, which I'm not going to rehash now. But I went through kind of the, some of the things that uh, we talked about then. And it, it's just this entire misunderstanding in the market. But at the same time, I don't want to alienate people by, by telling them that everything that they're doing is wrong. Because I don't no. think that. No. You know, there's no wrong way to do a good deal. It's yeah. just shades of gray as to which is the most right, you know? And if someone wants to be a landlord, go be a landlord. This guy, young guy came to me and said, hey, I think I want to be a home builder. And I brought in uh, Tim, who's a friend of mine. He, he did a lot of home building back in the, you know, oh, well, probably 2000 to 06, you know, uh, developed, did a lot of home building. And he went through his story about how that didn't work out for him. And, and Tim's a great guy, man. He actually gave me the best marriage advice I'd ever had. So he had a financial reversal right about this time. And I remember I was graduating from college. I didn't know him very well, but he, he came to my graduation party because we worked in the same company selling real estate and he brought me a a gift. And I I remember being humbled by that Mm -hmm. because I knew that he just had a reversal and I'm like, you really didn't have to do that, you know? But, uh, I remember I was sitting down at the table with him. And him and his wife had just had an anniversary and it was like maybe 20th year or something. And I was about to get married. And I said, well, what's the secret to a successful marriage? Not thinking at all that this was coming. And he really, without even thinking about it, he said, well, Brad, when you bring your wife coffee, you hand her the cup with the handle facing her. And I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then that ate on me for like months. Mm, It's so wise. (laughs) It says so much more than the yeah. coffee cup. You know, and I was like, well, number one, I'm bringing her coffee. So I'm, be- I'm thinking about what she needs. Number two, I'm burning my hand holding the coffee cup for her. You know, it's like there's so much to unpack there. And years later, maybe about a year ago, I, I told him I told him that story. and He didn't remember it, mm. you know, but uh, it's funny how those kinds of things can impact you. But Tim and me and this other guy were, were talking about home building. 
And I'm like, man, if you want to go and build homes, that's your passion. Like, go do that. I can't tell you that I think it makes sense. I think it's a really slow way to build equity. I'd rather buy it. Yeah. I mean, but, people will ask me when, when I'm on support calls with people uh, yeah. in the program, they'll say, why didn't Brad like a lease purchase? I mean, a, a lease options. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, Brad didn't say he didn't like it. He just likes this better. Yeah. It's so people say, why didn't Brad rent some of his places? Well, he doesn't have a problem with landlords. We have rentals. We yeah. have a few. But he likes the better deal better. Right. And so for us, it's about crafting the better deal. Right. And, you know, there are landlords all over our city with multiple, multiple properties, and they have become millionaires doing that way. Yeah. So we would never tell anybody what they can, can't do. However, for us, we think the better deal is to buy with creative financing and sell that way. Yeah. And I remember John T. could not believe whenever you went through it. When I went through that one deal with him, he just was like, well, damn. I mean, that. I mean, how, how are you going to get better than that? I mean, it's, it is, um, it, you know, he's made millions more. And still to this day, you know, he says he's retired. And, you know, you can't hardly get anywhere with him on the phone. He's, hey, all right, all right, go ahead. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, a lot of, a lot of properties pass through his hands, Howard Walls. Yeah. Uh, so many people in this city that are of a generation that, that could teach us a whole lot right now if we listen to them. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I would much rather listen to those guys than the, the people that have been in the business four or five years. And have had this meteoric rise, but I've never seen any type of adversity in the market. Yeah. And so my final thought really for today is, man, we've gone through it that quick. That I mean, it, it just seems like this conversation is just getting started. Oh, There's dude, so we, we much on capturing equity. Oh, yeah. Well, we could keep going and going. But yeah. the coming market is going to be more. There's going to be more advantage and more opportunity by ter doing term equity deals than price equity deals. Mm -hmm. Because you think about it, we've had a lot of run up in price in a lot of markets. And I'm, I'm watching, I read an article probably this morning. I think it was a Redfin article talking about San Francisco seeing problems. Supply is really increasing. Sacramento the same way. Las Vegas a little bit. Austin, Texas. There were 10 markets where you're seeing a reset specifically. And all of them are on the Western side of the U.S. But you've seen this big run up in pricing. And so unless the banks start to take losses, you have almost a floor when it comes to what you're able to purchase property at. So if someone bought the property two, three, four years ago or have refinanced in that time and pulled cash out, then they can't really generally sell it cheaper than what they owe without having to bring cash to closing. And very few people can do that. Mm -hmm. So you have a situation where there's a floor on pricing. Well, that's okay because we don't need price equity. That's right, because we can do term equity. We can do term equity. And so you have all these houses that are coming where they're not going to be able to sell traditionally in the timeline that they need to sell. And so we're going to be the option. But you know what it has to be? Term equity. Okay. So in terms of specifics, you have to learn sub two. You have to learn owner finance. If you're going to be able to thrive in the coming market. And guys, it's, it's a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because if you play things correctly the next two, three, four, five years, mm -hmm. you'll have an asset base that will never go away. Mm -hmm. And it'll be easier to create that asset base. Yeah. It's been easier to flip the past three years. Okay. The coming three years, it's going to be easier to cash flow. Yeah. So. You know, it, one of the things I'm learning from 
kind of the direction we're going right now and you're going with your business is in the next three to four years, three to five years, however long we move through this and who knows where we are in it right now. I was at a five owner finances to one rehab. And in the next, in this next period, I'm going to all creative financing deals. A flip for me is going to have to be almost a $15,000 or less repair. Yeah. And an immediate back on the market in a market where there's enough people buying there that it'll go, you know. Right. Uh, so a Knoxville or a Chattanooga or a Murfreesboro. Yeah. But, you know, when I get outside of that in the markets I like the most, which are rural markets, yeah. they're going to have to be. You, you uh, got to be careful deals. in those rural markets. You know, we've sold double wides for $250,000 yeah. in very, very small town uh, towns retail. Mm-hmm. And so those are going to be when there's a contraction, you know, all you had these big metros where they got so hot, people couldn't afford it anymore. So they had to go to the suburbs and then tertiary. Mm-hmm. Well, as things get easier to buy, it's going to start to go back in mm-hmm. to the city. But, you know, if I just do, if I just do seven to eight owner finance, creative financing deals a year for the next four to five years, I mean, I will have set my retirement up. Yeah. And that's all you need. You know, you look at, say, eight deals a year at, you know, 50K notes, which is kind of on the low end. Uh huh. That's 400K mm-hmm. times five. Yeah. You know, two million bucks. That's cash flow and probably 15, 20% of that. Yeah. You know, it's not bad. It's not bad. Plus what you've already done. Yeah. So cool. All right, guys, we'll call it a day. Appreciate y'all being with us. We'll see you next week, Tuesday morning coffee.